You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-S. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today on the show, I want to talk about some off-season hypotheticals because I got a great question on Twitter, and I want to talk through it a little bit because I got some interesting answers from fans on Twitter and and thinking about it. Um, you know, maybe I, my feelings about it have changed from a couple weeks of months ago. Uh, it's something that we're going to talk through on this microphone. I'm going to, I may have to work through it, how I feel about it and, and my perspective on it as we do this live, which is always, you know, it's always fun for me. And then I also want to talk about this piece I wrote yesterday for Acme Packing Company about my proposal to have a World Cup style setup for the NFL season and why that makes more sense given the current situation, given the the global climate and the American climate, that would allow us to have a little bit easier season um, and, and still give the fans and the rights holders everything they're looking for from an NFL season. So we'll get to that a little bit later. Let's start with the 2020 season. Your mileage may vary on the moves that the Packers have already made. And I think most fans, or at least most fans that I hear from on a regular basis, were underwhelmed with the offseason. And the number one reason, of course, is the receiver position. Devin Funchess was the only acquisition the team made in terms of receiver. Now, they did add some pass catchers, Josiah DeGuara, is certainly going to, at least in the long term, feature into this offense as a pass catcher. They believe that A.J. Dillon can be a factor in the passing game, and they like some of these young players certainly more than the fans do. There were a lot of media and fans as well who wanted beef along the interior defensive line. Green Bay did very little to address that. Kenny Clark said in a discussion with reporters on Zoom yesterday that he believes Kingsley Kiki is going to be a much bigger part of the equation this year. Um, the hopes that that he's able to do that. And I think certainly that would be something that would hearten fans. But it feels like a big ask to go on a defense that is going to be small most of the time and come in and bear so much of the brunt of a run defense that just frankly does not prioritize run defense. Now, if Kingsley Kiki can be an interior pass rusher, then he provides value to this team, no question about it. But does he do the thing that this team was bad at last year? Does he help them do that as well? That's still a question. And and though I have been dubious, let's say, of the impact of run defense, 
and how much I think it matters so long as you're not giving up 200-plus yards. And the Packers did not do that, of course, every week last year. They were a bad, a run-of-the-mill bad defense, not a terrible run defense last year. So let's say the Packers signed Tremont Williams. They brought him back on a cheap deal. They still have something like $14 million under the cap. Now, you want to keep about half of that allocated to in-season moves, and I'm sure that some of that is earmarked for a Kenny Clark extension, a David Bakhtiari extension. You eat some of that money now so that it doesn't leak into the 2021 cap, which we believe is going to be quite small. Okay, so you have a little bit of money to play with. Guys who are probably going to sign something close to veteran minimum deals. Tremont Williams, he comes back. All right, now you have that slot corner position locked down. Shannon Sullivan can play a little bit of everywhere. Taylor Gabriel comes in, replaces Devin Funches as the veteran receiver, knows Matt LaFleur's offense. Okay, Snacks Harrison comes in, gives you that early down run support on that defensive line next to Kenny Clark. Does your perception of the offseason that the Packers have change? And how much? Because we assume for much of the offseason, Tremont Williams would be back. The longer this drags on, the less clear it is. I think Green Bay would be in okay shape if Chandon Sullivan really is the player that he looked like last year. In fact, I think Green Bay would be in, in great shape at that position if Chandon Sullivan is the player he was last year in more extended playing time. I don't know how much Snacks Harrison has left. I don't, and you don't either. So if Snacks Harrison is the guy he was two or three years ago, yeah, of course it's a no-brainer, but if the league thought he was that guy, he'd already be signed. And how much does Taylor Gabriel move the needle? I'm asking. I don't, your mileage on this is going to vary. How much does Taylor Gabriel move the needle? I don't know that it moves the needle all that much. Now, does it, if you sign those three players, does it make this team better? Yes. But how much better? And that's the question that I want you to contemplate because the response that I got was almost that it was a dumb question to even ask. Yes, of course, if they sign these guys, I would feel much different about the offseason. And I don't say this to be glib, but think about if those moves really move the needle that much. I mean, I think Tremont Williams is a good player. It would give them more depth. Yes, that matters. And he was really good last year. I would think he'd be pretty good again. And Shannon Sullivan would then get to play, you know, a little bit of dime safety. He'd get to play corner. He'd get to play a little bit of everywhere, which is what you want. All right, Taylor Gabriel Is he the third best receiver on this team? I mean, I know he has experience in Matt LaFleur's offense. He's a veteran receiver, but it it seems like some of these things, you know, these three players, does does it really make them that much better? And so if it doesn't, and I'm not I'm not convinced it does. I'm not saying don't do it. They're they're better. No question about it. But but better to the point that you would feel drastically differently about the offseason. I just don't know about that. I I, I don't see it. it. It certainly wouldn't change the way that I felt about the offseason because Taylor Gabriel and Devin Funches are a wash. It wasn't their fault that Devin Funches opted out. Um, I, I did suggest at one point, hey, sign both. It's fine. But, you know, I think there was a redundancy there in terms of who's going to get snaps, how many veteran receivers do you really need on a roster 
with some of these other guys and how much better are they likely to be than some of these young players that you do hope develop. I mean, are, if they're 15 or 20% better, but the upside of someone like MVS or EQ is 70% higher, I think you take that value loss. And I, I think that's how the Packers are looking at it as well. So Snacks Harrison is the big one. I mean, that's the key. I, I think, I, well, I wonder how the responses would change. How would your response change if the only player on this list was Snacks Harrison? If they sign Christian Kirksey, they sign Rick Wagner, they go through the draft the exact same way, and they they bring in Damon Harrison. Does that because I think that is the piece that people are really they're really into. Because look, Taylor Gabriel's a nice player. If he comes in, it's fine. It's whatever. I don't I don't know that it makes much of a difference in the short or long term for Green Bay. Tremont Williams, look, he makes the team better. Great. But I don't think a lot of Packer fans are going, no, we need that guy. Now, I think that he's probably undervalued by the fans and media, but I don't know that the consensus feeling is the Packers need him. I do think the consensus feeling is that they need someone like Damon Harrison. They need a run-stuffing interior defensive lineman. And, and sure, if it's the case that Damon is what he used to be, and we don't know, then, yeah, he helps this team. And Ross Uglum over at Packer Report reported that Green Bay made a competitive offer to Damon Harrison. That Green Bay tried to sign him. Now, it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. It seems like he's either content to not play or, or play only at the destination that he most wants to be. So this is a little bit of a moot point. But I understand that that is the focal point for a lot of fans. And that is the sticking point for this offseason. No, Green Bay didn't add a receiver, but to make matters worse, they also didn't do really do anything to address a leaky run defense. When you look at this offseason, you go, well, they didn't upgrade the biggest position of need on offense. They didn't upgrade the biggest position of need on defense. And so what exactly did they do to get better? And look, I totally sympathize with that position. I think that's right. They didn't get better at receiver. They didn't get better along the defensive line. They didn't get better at offensive tackle. And I think they got better at linebacker. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. But we'll see, I guess. So you look at the offseason, if they sign these guys, does it make me feel that much more confident that they address those needs? Or, or did they just address them? And is that the thing? Is your feeling good or feeling bad about it just action is any action better than no action and I think that is true for a lot of fans it's it's certainly not the way that I look at it I don't think just making a move to make a move is the way to build a team and I I, I am probably in the minority in that certainly among people who cheer for the Packers they want to see action they want to see Brian Gutekinds go out there and do a thing they want to see hey We're putting our chips on the table. We're going for it this year. Now, I don't know what move they didn't make that they could have made that would have made a material difference. Overpay for Robbie Anderson, I guess. They tried to sign Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, so this is my point. They didn't do much. And I'm not saying feel good about the offseason. I don't necessarily feel like they did everything they could to get better. And I don't think they did get better in the offseason 
at least at their key spots. You know, I do think they improved their receiver depth and their tight end depth and yada yada, but at key spots, they didn't get better. But would these tertiary veteran moves make them that much better? I really don't think so. And I, I just, to the point that I don't think it's worth even, you know, like worrying about it that much. But I know that fans want to see action. They want to see a GM that says, hey, we're going for it. And they didn't see that this offseason. And I understand the frustration there. And I also understand the frustration when you have to go buy car parts. It is one of the more intimidating places that you can go shop because unless you have the knowledge, you may end up spending 30, 40, 50, 100% more for the exact same auto part at a chain store or a new car dealership just because you're a do-it-yourselfer or you don't know. You don't know what questions to ask. That's why Rock Auto is here to make car part buying simpler, to make it easier, and most importantly, to make it cheaper. This is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. So go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. You don't need to be a mechanic. Same price for a mechanic or a do-it-yourselfer. They've got everything you need, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily car, whatever it is, Rock Auto has got you covered. Right now, go to Locked On, and in their How Did You Hear About Us box, tell them we sent you. So I want to talk about this piece that I wrote yesterday for Acme Packing Company about my idea. And it's an idea based a little bit on something that Kevin O'Connor wrote for The Ringer about uh, something the NBA could do. In, in terms of their bubble, if they wanted to make you know, some crazy changes to the season, how they could shorten the season and still make it all work. And it dovetails a little bit with something that I saw Andy Herman say about regionalizing divisions. And so I said, well, let's put those things together. Because the interesting thing about the World Cup is they have these groups. And there's always the group of death. And you have a round robin in each group. And then the teams that do the best in those groups move on to the knockout round and then they play and you have a champion at the end. That doesn't sound like the NFL at first blush, except the more I thought about it, the more I realized, wait, the NFL already has groups. They just call them divisions. And although being a division winner gets you into the playoffs, what if we took every division and put them in regional bubbles. AFC West, AFC South, NFC North, all of those divisions are now in their own bubble. They're all playing in, you know, the NFC North is in Minnesota, and the NFC West is in Seattle, whatever. It doesn't matter. They're in one centralized location, so they don't have to travel. You play round robin, so every team, you play twice, so you get six games. All right, so we're guaranteeing six games. Everyone's going to get six games. The top two teams in each pod, each group, each division, moves on to the knockout round, just like in the World Cup. You've got a top 16. And then you play single elimination every, you know, it could be every week, however you wanted to structure it to the end. It's a max of 10 games if you make it to the Super Bowl to include more games because you need to maximize a revenue. You also can take the bottom two teams in each pod, each division, have 
their own tournament. And much like the Bill Simmons Entertaining as Hell tournament, we make this a tournament of bad teams, but they're playing for draft picks. So they're playing for the fifth pick. And the reason that makes sense is because the really bad teams, you know, the teams that would have gotten the first, second, third picks, they're not at risk of falling down the draft because they were never going to win this tournament. I mean, you look at last year and and the teams picking at the top of the draft. I mean, I just, I is there any chance the Bengals were going to go through and win a bunch of games and fall down the draft seating? No, of course not. So, you know, the Lions, were they going to go through with David Blau and win a bunch of games? No, of course not. Washington with Dwayne Haskins and that supporting cast? No, they weren't going to win any games in this scenario. What's particularly interesting here is, much like the World Cup, in order to break ties, you look at division record, so your pod record, your group record, your record against the teams that you're going to play twice, and then you take goal differential. And if you do that, it actually makes some pretty significant changes to the playoffs. In the NFC West, the Rams get in over the Seahawks. They both finished 3-3 three three in their division, but the Rams had a plus 33-point differential, Seattle minus 15. In the NFC North, the Bears get in the playoffs over the Vikings. The Bears had a 4-2 record. Minnesota was 2-4 in the NFC North. Last year, the Cowboys get in over the Eagles, although the Eagles would get in as well. The Falcons get in the playoffs in this scenario. The Browns get in the playoffs in this scenario. The Broncos get in. The Bills get in. So you have now a 16-team tournament, and you seed them based on your record in division. In that scenario, based on what happened last year, Green Bay would be the two-seed. Or if we did it last year, they would have been the two seed. And you say, okay, that's great. But if you actually look at the bracket, (laughs) Green Bay is the two seed. They'd play the 15 seed Browns. Right below them, the seven seed 49ers would play the 10 seed Bears. The Packers would play the winner of that game. So the Packers, as the two seed, would face the seven seed 49ers in the second round of the playoffs kind of sucks if you're the Packers. But it makes for incredibly compelling sports. And the point in all of this is trying to find a way that reduces travel, that creates bubbles, because the problem is you're you're trying to account for staff when you've got a 53-man roster, you've got 20 coaches and, and support staff, front office people, and it's not like the NBA where you've got 12 guys on a roster. You know, you can put 15 teams in a bubble in Orlando and only use three hotels or four hotels. You might need, you know, you might need three teams could say one hotel if it's a big, big hotel. But you you can't have 16 teams in one place. You can't have 32 teams in one place. There is no bubble system that works in the NFL. So this solves that problem. And it also solves the, well, one of the reasons why the players, of course, don't want a bubble for a full season is because that's five months away from your families. That would be brutal. You you would have to quarantine officials, potentially. So that creates a bunch of headaches. I mean, you're talking about, you know, 1,500 
players and staff and coaches and front office people. And it would just wouldn't work to have everyone in one place. But if everyone was in regional pods for a month and a half, and then you went to this knockout tournament, well, you may only be in that knockout tournament a week. The NHL is actually doing a similar thing in the playoffs where they're having their playoffs split. Two sides of the bracket. One is in Toronto. One is in Edmonton. And then they'll meet for the Stanley Cup final. I have it set up in a similar way. The top half of the bracket would play in one location. The bottom half would play in another. Eight teams and eight teams. And you meet for a centralized location for the Super Bowl. It reduces travel. It makes sure everyone is safe maximally safe and it would allow for a bubble that actually would work a bubble that isn't just on the honor system now Aaron Rodgers spoke to the media yesterday and he said he actually likes the scenario that we have right now because it relies on player responsibility it relies on these guys on their honor to say I'm going to do the right thing Rodgers is big into that He wants everyone to be in a position where it's up to them. Get your stuff done because that's how he views his responsibilities. He knows that if he's given tasks, he's going to go above and beyond to complete them. He's going to make sure that he's the most prepared guy in the room. He's going to make sure that he knows the plays, he knows the checks, he knows the routes, he knows the verbiage. And he wants everyone else to be on his level. So he's taking this seriously. So he knows if he's taking it seriously, the expectation is everyone else is doing the same. Well, the reality is it's it's hard enough in the NBA with half the league in the bubble. There are already issues of guys doing the right thing. So now you look in baseball when everyone's trying to play and they're trying to travel and do all that stuff. It's really hard to get that many people to all act responsibly. So this makes it easy and doesn't become overly burdensome on these players who don't want to be away from family, away from their homes for five months. No one would want that. And so if we're going to be in a situation where the players are, you know, what is the odds that there is not some sort of issue at some point over the course of the season? Brian Gutekind said it over the weekend. There are going to be positive tests. The goal is to prevent outbreaks. But why would you go into the season knowing that there's a chance your season is shortened and you might have to suspend or even cancel your season when you could go to a scenario like this? Yes, you're reducing the number of games, but those knockout games are really fun. I mean, you could have second round matchups. You could have Eagles Chiefs, Saints Patriots, Packers Niners, Ravens Cowboys. You could you could get that Kansas City Ravens matchup that you're looking for. You could get if the Packers were to somehow beat the 49ers on a neutral field, because that stuff matters, you could get Packers Patriots. You you know, th- th- that would be really, really fun. It would increase drama. It would increase eyeballs. Potentially fewer games means more national TV games, which means more revenue that the league is making up. I just think if there's an opportunity to say there's a chance that we can't make it through this season anyway. So why not? create a structure that maximizes the drama while also maximizes player safety. I mentioned that conversation with Aaron Rodgers. I thought it was fascinating for him to talk about what no fans could mean and and how weird it would be. And he mentioned something we talked about on this show, this idea of, of getting to be able to go 16 weeks with a hard count. 
And he also is aware of, hey, you go play Seattle in Seattle, suddenly that gets a lot easier because you don't have 70,000 fans breaking decibel level records. They're so loud. And your offensive line aren't, you know, isn't getting the, the checks. And you know, there's not miscommunications out there. And you don't have to go to San Francisco where you have to go to a silent count. You don't have to go to New Orleans where the rafters are shaking and the building literally rocks. I mean, literally rocks. You don't have to go to Minnesota where they're going to pipe in crowd noise. Doesn't, doesn't seem like they're going to let teams do that. They're just going to let them blast <laughs> crowd noise. Uh, we'll see, though. That matters. If every week is, a, is essentially a neutral field week, that benefits a team like Green Bay and the Packers seem to realize it. Aaron said they may add the hard count to games that would not have otherwise had it. You go to Tampa Bay, no fans. You can try and get those guys to jump off sides, create free plays, and that can help your offense. So while he you know, didn't, didn't take the bait on any of the questions about Jordan Love, didn't take the bait on any questions about the, the players who could be up and coming, like he said, they've only had one walkthrough, so not a lot to really dig into, but there are going to be some ways in which no fans are beneficial to the team. And and I think he did a really good job of walking the tightrope because you don't want to make it seem like anything that's going on is an advantage because it just sort of seems ghoulish to frame it that way. The reason we can't have fans in stadiums is because this is a very serious, deadly virus that spreads like wildfire. So you never want to be like, you never want to seem glib about it. You never want to make it into, oh, yeah, oh, well, this is actually an advantage for us. No, you don't really want to do it that way, uh, as a player especially. You, let me do it. I can do it. I, I try not to do it, but it is something that, you know, we talk about from time to time. We talked about, you know, continuity and, and what could matter for, for the Packers, um, and, and hopefully we have those discussions in as, as respectful a way as we can. But it is something that that he is aware of, and and I was I was interested to see that he was willing to say, you know, yeah, this is this is a thing because there's not really anything another team can do, and if anything, it makes them prepare for it, it makes them think about it, and maybe that gives your offense an extra half second that the pass rush is going, okay, don't jump, don't jump, don't jump, and it slows the pass rush a little bit. So, just something to keep in the back of your mind. We're gonna have uh, a lot more. All week, a lot to discuss. We have five shows this week. I told you we're going to get some fantasy football. We are going to do that. I mentioned the Peter King conversation about the future of Aaron Rodgers. We're going to talk about that. So a lot more to get to. Uh, make sure you're following me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski, for the latest. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers, and anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do it, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers. <laughs>